Good morning, good morning, praise the Lord. Welcome to Manifest Church. We're glad that you are with us on YouTube, Rumble, um, Facebook. We're glad that you're here. And those of you who are listening through the podcast, whichever one of your choosing, uh, thank you for joining us this morning uh, or whatever time you're watching or tuning in. We're glad that you're with us. We want to greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray that today's message will encourage and edify your life and and bring about a transformation that is our heart's desire to see God's word do a work in each and our li- each and every one of our lives. So we welcome you. If you're watching through there, please make sure to hit the follow uh, button, the like button, and also feel free to share the message with those around you, your family, your friends. Feel free to share on Rumble, on YouTube, whichever platform that you like to use. Be f- uh, feel free to share that to anyone and anyone you want to share it with and, and, and let God be glorified in the message. Also, if you have been ministered through the message, God has spoken to your heart. Please leave a comment, uh, whether on the podcast or on any of the platforms that I mentioned in social media. Just let us know what God has said to you through the message. And we, we'll be looking forward to that and praying for you as we continue. So uh, let's pray as we get ready to start today. I'm so thankful uh, to be able to be uh, in this moment with you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for waking us up this morning, giving us life. We're so grateful, Lord, because the fact that we're here, you have uh, called us for such a time as this, Lord. Uh, regardless of what is going on and transpiring around us, Lord, you have called us for this very moment. I don't know why you called us to be in this generation, Lord, but we thank you that you've entrusted us with your word to carry it in this time. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful, Lord, that, we would, uh, that you would come back and find faith on the earth in this generation, uh, that we did not shrink back, but we believed. God, continue to uh, pour out your spirit in, in uh, each heart, those who are here in this room with us and those who are listening and watching uh, through the different platforms out there. God, I pray that the word of God will do what it's set out to do, that it would accomplish what you set it out to do, Lord, that lives will be transformed, that uh, souls will be saved, that uh, hearts uh, will be mended, that people will be delivered. Oh, in the name of Jesus, God, nothing is impossible with you. There is nothing too hard for you, Lord. And so we thank you that your word will go forth and it will do what you accomplish it out to do. So, Lord, We ask you to have your way. Lord, I ask you to speak through me. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now in this moment. I welcome you to come and minister to us. God, I ask you to come upon me in power, Holy Spirit, as you promise in the book of Acts that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. I need that dunamis power to preach your word. Lord, I ask you to give that to me today in order to bring about clarity, in order to bring about understanding, and in order to speak the word. God fearlessly as I should Lord thank you for what you're doing God and we promise Lord to be so careful to give you the glory and the honor in Jesus mighty name and all of God's people said amen amen Uh, so uh, we are going to continue this morning uh, in our series spiritual warfare Uh, for the past couple weeks we've moved from talking about our enemy and what he's doing, and we are looking into the armor of God. We are looking uh, because we need to know and understand our enemy. This is important when it, when it comes to battling, having uh, being in a war, being in a battle. You need to understand and study your enemy. You need to know how they operate, how your enemy operates. And we know 
as Christians, we're not un unaware of the devil's schemes and how he works and how he looks to deceive man. And so God has given us that understanding. God has uh, allowed us to see how Satan is working within the generation today. And so uh, now I want, I've been working the last couple of weeks to, to move your attention from the enemy, but now to begin to look at the armor of God that we can put on so that we can engage our enemy. We can engage our enemy with our own power, our own strength, because we have none. Against this uh, supernatural being, we don't have, in our human nature, we have no strength over him. Uh, he will overpower us. He's, he, he has been doing it for a long time, and he can destroy us at a drop of a hat. But God, who uh, is our strength, when we submit to the Lord, the Bible says, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee. The key operative there word is to submit yourself to God's authority, to come under God's authority. And as Christians, when we come under the authority of our commander in chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, then all authority in heaven and earth is given to us to go and make disciples. And in the process of making disciples, God's authority is with us to remove the enemy from those moments. So we just uh, understand that these are the things we want to understand, want you to know and understand your enemy. But we also want to look and to, we need to know our armor and what it's like and how so that we can fight the good fight of faith. How many of you know that we're in a good fight? We're, this is a good fight to have. This is not this is a battle between good and evil. This is a, a spiritual battle that we've been talking about. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and heavenly places. These dark forces, they're at work in the supernatural realm. They are uh, moving and the, 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 the John writes that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world and he's already moving in the sons of disobedience and those who have rejected the Lord and are moving in their own way uh, and they're, they, they don't even realize that they're under the influence of the spirit of the air who is known as the prince of the air, G, uh, excuse me, Satan. He is known as the prince of the air and he is working to bring about uh, uh, the destruction of mankind. See, Jesus said, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may receive life and have it more abundantly. You see, Jesus is the author of life. He is life itself, and he's come to give those who are disobedient a way of life, to turn to him, to repent of their wicked ways and to turn to Jesus Christ, our Lord, who, who, as we were singing this morning, about nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins. I, I love this hymn, and I, I wanted to read a, uh, just one of the verses. He talks about, it talks about, for, for my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, he talks about, um, this is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is nothing in this world that can take away your sin. He talks about uh, not of good that I have done. No, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. The blood of Jesus is our righteousness. Amen. So uh, just as we were singing that song, it reminded me again and again that Jesus Christ is our righteousness as we've been talking about the breastplate of righteousness as one of the pieces of the armor of God that we've been talking about and so I want to make sure that we are, are are doing that and so 
let's uh, get to our main text here in Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to see uh, the, the, how having your armor is vital to the success of you in this battle. Without an armor, you cannot have success. And you need the weapons as well. You need to know the armor and you need to know the weapons that you have in order to fight the good fight. And here in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, look what he says, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, his, in, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, standing, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on this readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Man, the words of the Apostle Paul speaking to uh, his final uh, notes in his letter, his final, uh, his finality to his letter, he is telling them that we need to be understanding that we don't wrestle against the flesh and blood, that we have uh, to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the enemy and against what is about that we are engaging in. And so we see that. And we've talked uh, the last we looked at the, the, the belt buckle of truth or the, the uh, truth fastened around your waist. We looked at the um, breastplate of righteousness. We looked at that last week. We, we talked about how the righteousness of God uh, is what we need. Uh, it's not our own righteousness. It's not our own good works. Um, I believe Isaiah writes that your righteousness are a mistress cloth, cloth in the eyes of a holy God. In other words, our righteousness doesn't do anything. Our righteousness can't help us. Uh, you know, the only thing that delivers from death is, and we need a righteousness that is from heaven. And that righteousness came through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has imputed into us righteousness through faith. This is the righteousness of God now that is revealed to men. It is a righteousness by faith through Jesus Christ. And so we looked at that last week. We looked at being ready with uh, putting on our feet the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace that we ought to be ready. The Bible says, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news that when we are walking in this world, our feet are, are bringing, we carry uh, the good to people we're carrying that people can be delivered from their sins we're carrying that Jesus came to set people free from sin he's come to deliver us from all the power of the enemy the devil 
He has come to set people free and we carry good news. Now, I know that when we're talking to people in darkness, sometimes uh, the reaction from a person when we're declaring those good news uh, and because of men's own pride can come in a way of, uh, of uh, attacking you and, and mocking you and laughing at you and, and calling you names. And in some situations, um, in a broader sense in the world uh, where, where uh, there are no freedoms for the Christians, uh, they're being beaten, uh, tortured, thrown in prison, their families, uh, they're being denied food, they're being denied housing, they're being all kinds of things are happening around the world because simply carrying the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and it seems like, why would they be doing that to, to people bringing them good news? Well, when man in his pride uh, rejects God, he doesn't see God calling a sinner to repentance and faith Good news. He sees it as you're accusing me of doing wrong. Well, I'm not accusing you. God has already God's already accused you. God's already done it. His word is clear. Uh, he's given the Ten Commandments and anyone who has broken that law has, is found condemned already. But Jesus Christ came to get rid of the condemnation in our lives. He's come to set us free from the condemnation that the that this that our sin has brought upon us. Man, that's good news that we don't have to live under the weight of our pride and sinfulness, that we can come into uh, liberty, that we can come into the freedom that there is in Christ, that we can come into uh, a relationship with the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. Man, we can have a relationship with him. So we carry those good, the good news. And what is the good news? That Jesus died for our sins. The Bible says that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world on that cross. He was uh, buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, Jesus rose again, defeating death so that he can justify us and revive all those who believe in him. He's also going to resurrect us one day. Hallelujah. And he is awaiting to return. You know, I love the, uh, uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings. And, and the last movie is called The Return of the King. And that's the King Jesus who we're looking for his return to set all the wrongs right and to establish his kingdom on earth for a thousand years from Jerusalem. What an awesome moment that's going to be. The people of Israel who have rejected the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, when they see the, the, the writer, uh, one of the prophets, he declares, they're going to see the one they pierced. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming back again. And, uh, and while we're here, we need to be prepared in the battle that we're in. Um, so I want us to move on now. And I want us to look at, uh, the Bible tells us here, uh, to take the helmet of salvation. We looked at the shield of faith as well last week. But I want you now to look with me. Uh, it says here, take the helmet of salvation. Paul tells us to take the helmet of salvation. The word salvation, the Greek here, means Saving, bringing salvation, he who embodies this salvation or through whom God is about to achieve it, the hope of future salvation. So when we take up the helmet of salvation, it is the hope that we will be uh, fully vindicated be, be, because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary, because of the blood that was poured out for you and for me. And because of the resurrection, we have a future hope of being saved from this Present evil age. Glory to God. Uh, uh, in a battle, a helmet is a vital part 
of the armor because it protects your head from being severely injured. Can you imagine going into a battle? Uh, you know, look at sometimes the military movies. We see men who, 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 who their helmet came off and all of a sudden a, a, a stray bullet comes and, and just kills them. Uh, you know, all kinds of things can happen without a helmet because it helps to protect. Now, obviously, a helmet is the strongest thing in the world, but it does protect. And those helmets uh, protect from just those those things coming and harming and injuring you severely so that you can't fight. In a spiritual sense, the helmet of salvation protects your mind while in spiritual warfare. How many of you know that your mind, uh, the old song, my mind's playing tricks on me. That there are times that your mind begins to play tricks on you. That your mind, the enemy comes and, and begins to, to, to speak things into your mind and, and say things and whisper things in your ear. And you got to, you, uh, and the things that you and your own self are dealing with in your life, um, those, those thoughts that come to your mind you, that begin to create an anxiety in you. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about where the enemy comes and he, and he begins to, to cause uh, you to be out of peace in your mind. And, and uh, see, this is a part of spiritual warfare. Um, see, there, are, there will be moments in this battle where your enemy, the devil, Satan, will attack your mind with accusations with the intent to discourage you. You see, and, and, and when I say the devil and Satan, I don't mean him like being like God where he's everywhere. Trust me. Uh, Satan isn't uh, knocking at my door himself to deal with me uh, because I'm that great in the kingdom of God. I, I, I don't. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about his minions, his uh, uh, demons that are out there that he commands. They go and they begin to attack, and, and, and they have principalities. They have areas of, that they work in in the in the heavenly places, as we see in the scriptures. Uh, and so there are moments where the enemy's attacking. Uh, they, they attack through different ways to bring about you to be discouraged so that you are ineffective. And this happens in the mind. You see, he's the accuser of the brethren. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Look at this with me. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Satan in his final judgment will be hurled down because he has been accusing us before God day and night. He's the accuser of the brethren. That is what he's known. And he's constantly coming to accuse you and constantly coming to discourage you so that you are neutralized. See, it's important, uh, it, it's important to know that in Christ we can have assurance of our salvation. I think this is so important today uh, as a Christian. Our assurance doesn't come uh, based on us, but what on Jesus did on Calvary, that what he did was enough. And we place our full confidence, our full trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And as a result, we have assurance of our salvation that what God has promised, he will he will keep. And so we can know this. And it's important to understand that helmet of salvation, the hope that we have in the Lord. 
And with that hope, we can we can carry on the fight in that hope when these uh, these thoughts come to bring about accusations, these thoughts that the enemy throws, these fiery darts that come to to try to uh, cause us to be uh, disillusioned or or dis- discouraged or or feeling depressed. See, our enemy tries to do this, but God, when we put our hope in, in our salvation, God gives us a strength to overcome. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, the enemy of, our, of your soul wants, to, uh, wants you to be discouraged and in order to neutralize the threat. See, you're a threat to Satan's kingdom. You're a threat to what he's doing. Do you understand what is happening in the natural? Do you see how uh, Christians, the pressure is being uh, put on more and more as we're seeing us moving into that new world order, the uh, one world government, the one world system? As you can see, the governments all around the world, especially us in the, in the West who have, have enjoyed the liberties that our forefathers have, have, have bought and bled for us through, through the war and through the Revolutionary War, through all the things that they paid to be able to give us a land of freedom, we are seeing that uh, erosion because we have rejected the gods of our, the God of our father and, and of our fathers, and now we're serving other gods, little G's. We and as a result of that, we see this happening within our nation. The the, the pressure being applied that uh, you see, I was mentioning to you last week. Though we wrestle not against flesh and blood in the sense when we are attacking in the sense of this battle, it is in the spirit that the battle is won, but it is manifested natural. And so therefore, though our enemy, though the person, your neighbor, uh, the liberal, the uh, communist or whatever uh, label you want to put on the person, they are not your enemy per se. It is the spirit behind them that is influencing them, but it still is manifesting through that person. And as we see, they're, they're pressing uh, anything that is just concerning uh, what God says. We can see it tightening up all over uh, our nation. We can see the enemy saying that Christians who believe uh, the Bible as the authoritative word of God, they are, they are um, as, as uh, this administration, the, the current administration here in the United States has said, that those Bible-believing Christians, they are a threat to this country, that we are terrorists to this country. This is, uh, can you imagine how upside down things have flipped in this nation, that the very God who formed this nation through his people, now that God has been rejected, and now those who follow that God, his word, are being seen as a threat. Why? Because the Spirit of this age is at work in the sons of disobedience as we saw there in Ephesians chapter 2 he's working in their life and once you know what once you and I were that way we can understand what we know what's happening because we used to be the sons of disobedience we used to be in darkness man when I was in darkness I lived for the appetites of my flesh I did whatever I wanted I sinned I did I didn't care and if I if I believed in God in some way it was a God that I fashioned in my mind that that was okay and comfortable with my sinful lifestyle but it was not the God of the Bible was not the God of the great I am it wasn't him it was the God that I fashioned and began to worship because that God was okay with what I was doing but God is holy and righteous the Bible says 
Our God is a consuming fire, man. He is awesome. His eyes are, are, are fire and they see through everything. The Bible says the, eye, the, uh, the Lord weighs the heart of man. He knows our very heart. He knows our thoughts. Our God is to be praised. He's holy and righteous. The Bible says there is no darkness in God, not at all. No shadow of turning in him. God is light in him. There is no darkness. God is awesome in all that he does. Y'all God is he's incredible and he's to be worshiped and he's to be uh, praised and he's to be feared in a way with with reverence and all who he is. He's not to be taken for granted. He's not to be misused. But God is holy and awesome. And because of that, we have this great salvation because our God is also merciful. And he's given us his only begotten son, as the Bible says. God has given us his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for your sin and my sins and the sins of the world. That's good news. And we need that good news to help us fight this good fight. You see, uh, when the Thessalonian Christians were discouraged uh, because there were people going around and saying they missed the Lord's return, the Apostle Paul wrote these words to them because they were they were anxious. They were they were discouraged. They were depressed because of the news that some were saying and, 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 and kind of throwing out in the church that they had missed God's return. Can you imagine? The turmoil in their minds. Feeling like they had sinned against God and somehow they were left. First Thessalonians five verses eight and nine. Let me let me read to you what the Apostle Paul writes to. Uh, the church in, uh, in Thessalonia, and I believe it's for us today as well. It says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen that God did not appoint you and me to suffer wrath but he has uh, brought and salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ for those who have put their faith in him. So they didn't have to fear uh, what, that they were left behind. Matter of fact, he tells the church in, in Philippi, the Philippians, he, tells, he writes to them, he says in Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7, I want you to look at this with me as well. While I take a little sip here. He says here in Philippians 4, Verses six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, somebody say amen. Isn't that good? That we can have peace when we come to the Lord. We can take all our burdens to him. All those thoughts, we can lay it at his feet and we can and, and he can in turn give us his peace. Why? Because we know God is in control. We know that nothing passes through his hand that he doesn't know that God is fully aware of what is going on and he's going to see us through. You know, there's another in the fire, man. He's with us. He's in that fire with you. He's in that fire with you. He's going to be in that. He's going to be in there. You're, you're going to go through that, that water, but you're not going to drown because the Lord Almighty is with you. And he'll see us through because he made a promise. And our God keeps his promises. 
So let's go on. Let's go. We, we want to go to the next part of the armor. So we need uh, to, to, to understand the assurance of our salvation, the hope that we have in our salvation. That's why we put that armor to protect our minds. And then he says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is again in verse 17 of Ephesians 6. We are to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. A sword is an offensive weapon. Uh, now we're t- we, we, we've looked at the weapons that protect our bodies, protect our minds. Now I want you to look at the weapon that not only helps us, uh, but it also is an offensive weapon. The word of God is to be used against our enemy, our adversary, in order to neutralize that threat. You see, he has darts that he throws and we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are to take that word and uh, that word and we are to yield it against our adversary. And we do it in a way that God gives us a wisdom to do it. And God shows us when to do it. See, God has given us an offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit to strike the enemy. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, as we looked here in Ephesians. See, haven't you noticed that one of the greatest areas of battle uh, that the enemy wages against you is to keep you from the word of God, to keep you from this word that God has given us. He is his desire is to cause you to think about all other things to distract you with all other kinds of things going on in this world than for you to simply gaze upon the word of God and to place it within your heart and to begin. Why? Because once you have that word of God in your heart, you'll not sin against the Lord. And once you have that word in your heart, you'll be able to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Once you have that word of God, you'll be able to speak against the adversary and declare the truth. When he comes and lies, you can speak the truth over that lie and things begin to change. And you begin to move, take ground in the name of the Lord. See, Satan knows that if he can censor or change the word of God, he could continue deceiving people and he can keep Christians from being a threat to his kingdom. I want you to uh, look at this article with me. And um, I want to talk a little bit about this because um, I know it's probably not something that most pastors talk about, but I, 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 I don't care. I'm not looking to win a popularity contest, contest or, or anything like that. I just want the truth to get to you. Well, the WEF official, uh, WEF official calls for AI to rewrite the Bible correctly. How many of you, uh, hopefully uh, you have seen this, art, uh, this out there, but uh, if you haven't, you'll hear it today for the first time. Um, this is from Charisma News. They wrote this um, uh, on June 13th. Uh, there was a, a meeting that... Uh, that they were speaking to a, a senior a senior advisor in the world health uh, world health organization uh, world economic forum uh, sorry senior world economic forum uh, uh, speaker and uh, anyway so it says here the foundation of Christian faith is that the information contained within the Bible is a spirit is spirit inspired inerrant word of God. This means that the writings on creation, the flood and the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are all factual events according to Christian Bible. Within those pages in the both, both Old and New Testament, 
are warnings about changing the Bible and the message contained within it in Deuteronomy 4, 2 and Revelation, uh, Revelation 22, verse 18. I want to show you these scriptures real quick. Hold on, as soon as I can get there. So uh, in Revelation, excuse me, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, I want to read this passage of scripture. It says, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. And then now look at Revelation 22, 18 through 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues ascribed in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this book. So anyway, let's go back to this article. Um, so thinking from a tactical, tactical perspective, what would be the one thing that Satan would ultimately try and corrupt to lead people astray from the truth held within the pages of the Bible? It would be, it would be to alter the very word of God with a different theology than what is written in Scripture. This grand deception, or deception are, are why the words of senior economic forum advisor Yuval Noah Harari, a homosexual Israeli author and historian who holds mostly to atheistic beliefs in spirituality about having AI rewrite the Bible are so dangerous. This is this man's, uh, this man's thinking. I want you to, I'm going to quote him in this, in this interview he had. He said this, it is the first technology ever that can create new ideas. He's speaking of AI. You know, the printing press, radio, television, they broadcast. They spread the ideas created by the human brain, by the human mind. They cannot create new ideas, says Harari. You know, uh, jo uh, Johannes Gutenberg printed the Bible in the middle of the 15th century. The printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it, but it did not create a single new page, continues Harari. Listen. He's, he goes on to say, it has, it has no ideas of its own about the Bible. It is, is it good? Is it bad? How to interpret this? How to interpret that? AI can create new ideas. It can even rewrite a new Bible, Harari declares. Throughout history, religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence by a non-human entity. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct. Just think about a religion whose holy book is written by AI. That could be a reality in a few years. I'm going to end there. Do you see where this world is? Do you see the mindset of people? Uh, this is what we're up against in this world. But this is part of what God uh, has already said would happen. Um, what is going on here is not for you to be like, oh, wow, what do we do? No, it's man. God, you know what? Everything you said in your word is coming to pass. The thing, can you imagine? Uh, we know in the Bible that there's this, this uh, system of the Antichrist is going to have a one world religion. And how fitting would it be that an AI uh, would create a new Bible uh, that it says is correct? Can you imagine calling God's very word that is inspired by the Holy Spirit incorrect?
and it would change it and do whatever it thinks it needs to do. Can you imagine? Well, this is what our enemy, Satan, wants to do. He's been doing it from the very beginning. Remember in the Garden of Eden, what did he tell Eve? Did God really say that? You see, judging God's very motive, judging the very thoughts of God. And this is what our enemy has been doing. I want you to know that we need to take up the sword of the spirit in order to fight this kind of enemy. And I want to tell you very quickly, I want to tell you as a pastor, I want to encourage you to get the Bible, the actual Bible written. Stop depending upon uh, technology. It's good for now, but there's coming a day when, as he just said, and not too far in the near future, the things could be rewritten. So I want you to understand that you need to get the written word of God and keep it and have it by as many as you can. Keep them in your in your house, because I'm telling you what's coming upon this world, what the 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 way the system of this Antichrist is going to come. It's going to try to even deceive if he could. He could even try to deceive those who are elected, those who belong to Christ. But he's not going to be able to. Because we have the spirit of truth in us. And, and, And speaking of the spirit of truth, the word of God. Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. He, he begins to do a work. The Word of God, it says there in John, um, John 16, 8, and when he comes, who is he speaking about? The Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. See, the Spirit convicts through the spoken word. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I want you to look at this. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. He says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, God's word is powerful and it cuts right through the mustard. That old saying, it cuts right through all the the baloney, right? It goes right to the heart of the matter and it deals with us completely. That's why Satan doesn't want the word. Uh, I want you to go with me, and we're going to be ending here shortly. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 4. I want you to see this with me, Matthew chapter 4. We all know as believers, if you've been a Christian long enough, you know this moment. This is Jesus uh, where he is uh, being led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And he's being tempted by Satan. I want you to look at this in verse, verses 1 through 11. Let's look and read. Again, this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him into a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and and their glory. 
And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So we see Satan coming to twist the word of God to cause there to be a misunderstanding of the word of God. How many of you know there are a lot of people walking around this world who, who think they know the Bible and they're misusing the word of God and they're leading people astray? We see this within Christendom. We see people who are, 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 are being led astray by Satan twisting the word of God. Uh, and so that's his way. He does that. He, he, he has to do that. You notice he didn't, he didn't talk to uh, Jesus uh, of the uh, uh, you know reader's digest no he 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 spoke to jesus the word of god but he misused the word of god in order to try to deceive the son of god can you imagine the author of life the author of this book he tried that's how deceived satan is that he thinks he can trick jesus well he found out real quick that jesus used the word of god in its appropriate way and every time that satan tried to to tempt him in every one of those ways He spoke the word, and that is the offensive weapon, the word of God. When the enemy comes to lie and to scheme, you use the word of God because the word of God is truth. Amen. The word is truth. See, Satan wants to get rid of the the word of God because it's the truth. As I just said, Jesus tells us that the truth sets us free. How many of you watching? How many of you listening? How many of you here say, I want to be free? Let me read to you. I'm going to finish with this. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. Go with me to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. This is Jesus speaking. And he says in verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You want to be free? Abide in the word. Jesus Christ is the word. He is the word of God. Turn to him. Repent of your sins. Say, Lord, stop trying to stop letting your pride keep you from God. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people today in the bowels of hell because they would not submit themselves to God because their pride has put them there. Man, God has demonstrated his love in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us ungodly people. Jesus came and died for people knowingly that people would reject him, knowing that there would be people that would do things against him. And that's the mercy of God, the love of God. For God so loved the world, as we read, John tells us that for God so loved the world that he he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's the truth. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God has come to save us. But you know what? That same passage of scripture, Jesus said, here's the condemnation. This is the problem. And this is the problem with some of you watching and some of you listening. This is the problem. That see, God, loved, God is, is given uh, a salvation through his son. But here's the problem. He writes, and this is a judgment. This is John Chapter 3, verse 19. Again, John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the problem with man. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, 
and people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest, the works should, lest their, his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see, friend, apart from the Lord, you love darkness. And he wants to save you. He wants to take you out of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of light. And so I, I, I implore you, I, I, I'm asking you in Jesus' name to turn away from your sins and put your trust in him. To live a life that he wants you to live. To live a life that will now be reconciled to a holy God. And that you'll, you'll have a new way of living. The old will pass and the and new will come. Because God doesn't save us to leave us the way we've been, the way we were. God is going to, the Bible says that we have been predestined to be conformed into the image and likeness of his son. Jesus is, is the example that we are trying to walk like. And God is going to make us like, like that as in the process of our sanctification as we are walking with the Lord day in and day out. Jesus is going to do a work in us that you couldn't do on your own. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord, concerning the helmet of our salvation. Oh, God, today as I was pleading with people who are watching and listening, today is a day of salvation. Stop putting it off. Humble yourself. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. He'll save you. He'll wash you clean with the blood of Jesus. You'll be a new creation. Old things will pass and new things are going to come. The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There's no magical prayer. Just humble yourself and cry out to him and say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I believe that God raised you from the dead and one day you're coming back. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lead me to a, a Bible believing church, a, a people of God who love you and are trying to make you known in this world. And I believe God will do that in your life. Humble yourself before him. If you're a believer and you've been just living aimlessly, stop it. Repent. Return to your first love and do the things you did at first. And the peace of God will surpass us all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. God will use you. You will no longer be ineffective. You will be effective. He'll use you to make disciples. He'll use you to bring his word to people through your life and through your words. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.